Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. You have your Bible? If you have your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start there this morning. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence. Lord, how can we, how can we even begin to uh, explain your presence that was here with us just a few minutes ago, bringing joy and, and tears and the nearness of you? Thank you, Lord, for all of those that are serving today. And Lord, as we look into your word right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will anoint me. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, what I can't do. You can bring this word to life today in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's unbelievable that in this time of age that we're living in today, the preoccupation with supernatural and paranormal, uh, paranormal. in fact, watch the movies that are most popular in the last few years, things like the Avengers, Thor, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, mythological creatures or mythological characters, but they all have one thing in common, of supernatural power, supernatural ability to do more than just what's normal. It's just a, and, and people are interested in that. And I think there's a reason that we're interested in that. And then beyond the, uh, just the uh, silver screen or the TV, or the movies, is the rise in interest in things like Ouija boards, seances, palm reading, and horoscopes, which were all condemned in the Scripture in Deuteronomy 18, as well as in the early church in Acts. I, I'm scared sometimes when I see how easy that some believers are, and they turn to some of these things. But I think the reason is there's a desire in everyone to say, you know what, I, I just, I would just like a little bit more. There's got to be more than just the natural that I'm experiencing. And there is. And he's called the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit to empower people to just do life. Not anything weird or freaky, but to do life. In your notes there, if you're taking notes, my number one point today, and in fact, this whole series is really about this, that it's time to defrag, defrag. Now, I'm a yellow pad guy. I'm not a real yuppie person. It's 2020, but I still like yellow pad, okay? I do have a, what is this called, iPad, iPhone? What am I using here? Anyway, uh, and, but every once in a while, Anita or Warren will say, my, com my computer is slurring slow or, or this is running slow. And they'll say, well, when did you, do, when did you last defrag? I said, are you getting personal or what? I mean, you know. What, what? <laughs> and so they explained to me that you get a lot of crud that slows things down and hinders the effectiveness of the machine. So they defrag it in the minute. It's quick. And I think sometimes even as people, we need a little defragging. Because uh, we all have a background that's different. And in our background that's different, what is normal for us may be weird for somebody else, right? I mean, even uh, this morning as I was praying, I was thinking about all the backgrounds uh, that are represented here. I mean, just, let's just, let's just uh, take an inventory, right? How many of you are from a, 
uh, maybe a, a, a Baptist background of some sort. Just lift your hand. Look at that. There you go. Uh, all, all over. How many of you today are from maybe a Methodist background? All right. How about Presbyterian? Wow, we got you to raise your hand in church. That's amazing, isn't it? How many of you from Catholic background? Wow, look at that. Wow, it's always a big number here. How about you, uh, Pentecostal charismatic, raise both hands? Yeah, yeah, you already have them in the air. And some of you raised your hand on every one of them. I think you just tried a little bit of everything. Uh, but uh, how many of you say, well, you know, I don't have any of those. I'm just, I'm just a plain old sinner. That's, would you raise your hand? Uh, yeah. You're the best I like to work with because you don't have so much defragging that we have to do. We just start from here. But I was thinking this morning, I was sort of laughing about that, and I remembered something I read. And I'm not making fun of anybody. I hope you know that. Um, but I, I, was, I was running across something the other day about how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb. And I found these about denominations. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? At least 15. One to change the bulb, three committees to approve the change, and to decide who's going to bring the potato salad and the chicken salad, or fried chicken. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one. Their hands are already in the air. How many uh, Pentecostals does it take? It takes 10. One to change the bulb, and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. How many Presbyterians? None, because they know lights will go on and off at predestined times. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They use candles. How many Episcopalians? Three. One to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how the better one, how the old one was better than the new one. How many Church of Christ? None, because light bulbs are not mentioned in the New Testament, therefore light bulbs are unscriptural. But just not only denominations, but how many chiropractors does it take to unscrew a light bulb? Just one, but it'll take you six visits. <laughs> how many college students? I don't know. Will that be on the test? How many telemarketers? Only one, but they have to do it while you're eating dinner, right? Yeah. My goal in this series and my goal today is not to give you the Father's house theology about Holy Spirit. My goal is not to give you Terry Mahan theology about the Holy Spirit. But I want to look into this word and I want to see what's biblical normal for the Holy Spirit. And if it's biblical normal in here, then I want that. You know, to me it would be frightful if your upbringing in whatever church that you were brought up or non-church that would cause you to skip the book of Acts because you're afraid that something might jump off on you in there that'll cause you to be weird or uh, start swinging from the lights. That'd be a big jump to get up there and swing from the lights. But we're not looking at that. We're looking at what is normal in this book about the Holy Spirit. So last week we talked about who is he, the Holy Spirit. Um, we all come from backgrounds, I'm sure, in whatever church you were in. You heard a lot about God the Father, right? You heard a lot about God the Son. But some of you never heard about God the Holy Spirit. He was sort of like a relative that never really ever showed up. And, and so we looked at last week, what's his name? In the Old Testament, it's Ruach. And in the New Testament, it's Numa, which simply means wind. The Holy Spirit is the wind in your sail that helps you to do life easier. He is a 
breath of fresh air. That is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. Today, I want to talk about something else. I want to try to deconfuse this term Pentecost or Pentecostal. I don't like labels. I have a lot of times people try to put a label on us. Well, who, who are you? Are you, uh, are you Word of Faith? Are you uh, Prosperity? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Charismatic? The reason I don't like labels is your definition of those terms may be different than my definition of those terms. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's even in life. Uh, some of us, you know, uh, have, have thoughts in all of our mind about people that are not like us, but our definition of them may be totally different than how they see themselves. For instance, you know, some of you think when you think of Pentecostal, because you've seen that in your life, you think of women who can't wear pants and who can't wear makeup. Now, personally, I like makeup. Not on me, on ladies, okay? I, I like makeup. And, and, and so ladies uh, not wear pants, no makeup, and wear their hair on a bun on top of their head. I personally think that's just bondage, but anyway, uh, that's just a thought of mine. Listen, even though we are not part of the Pentecostal denomination or the charismatic denomination, we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in the Bible. And we believe in Acts 2 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that there are gifts, there are fruit of the Spirit, and there is the empowerment of the Scripture. So can we come to the bottom line that that would be a good thing, that we just stop there and say, yep, we believe in that, we believe in the Holy Spirit, because we need something beyond ourselves to finish the work that God has for us to do. In your notes, there are two Scriptures there, Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, written by Dr. Luke, because he wants to remind us that Jesus says, I'm going to give you this thing that was promised. Remember John the Baptist says, uh, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power or fire. Now, Acts chapter 2, I asked you to turn there a minute ago, and I'm going to go to that, because Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, is a turning point in the early church. It's a time when they got their mojo. They got their it factor. They changed from a bunch of fearful individuals that really weren't accomplishing anything after Jesus had been crucified to someone who could, I mean, here's Peter who, when Jesus is being, uh, uh, getting ready to be crucified, he couldn't even witness to a young girl. He said, no, I don't know him. But after, after what happens here in Acts 2, he's able to stand up in a whole room full of thousands of people that are around, and he's able to preach a long gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. What was the difference? What changed him? And so that's what I've been looking at. And I've been praying, Lord, show me a new and a fresh about your Holy Spirit. Help me to understand what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because I want to see that change in my life. And I think you want to see that change in your life. And we want to see that happen here at the Father's house. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, and I'm going to break that down in a minute because there's three major face, face, three major feasts in the Jewish history then and even now. One that happened on the first month of the year, 
one that happened on the third month of the year, and one happened on the seventh month. So when we read, as Westerners, on the day of Pentecost, for most of us, unless you've had some understanding and some training, you would look at that, what, on the day of Pentecost, what is that? So, but if I said to you, on the 4th of July, we have a historical understanding, we have a cultural understanding. When I say 4th of July, you know, some of you think of firecrackers, some of you think of, of fireworks, some of you think of hot dogs, you know, and, and grilling out and swimming and all of those things. But to a Jew, when they read that on the day of Pentecost, they would understand that that was a holiday just like our 4th of July, our Christmas, our Easter, and I want to bring, break that down to you here this morning. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place, not just the 12, but actually 120, it tells us. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. Remember last week, I said the Holy Spirit is a wind, wind, and sometimes when you hoist the sail, you wait for that sail to catch the wind, and then it's whoosh, and then that sail is full, and it moves. So here's the picture of the Holy Spirit like a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked as flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So let me talk to you a little bit about what is Pentecost. Um, in your notes, if you're taking notes, you could just simply write this. It's one of the three major celebrations of the Jewish culture, then and still now. Even though we don't celebrate Passover as the, as the Jewish people do, even though we don't celebrate Pentecost as they do, even though we don't celebrate tabernacles and camp out on the seventh month of the year, in little huts or tents, which you can see even when you go to New York City in some of the high-rises that are there. We don't, keep, we don't keep the pattern that is there of what they did, but we keep the principle. What is the principle of Passover, the principle of Pentecost, and the princi principle of the tabernacles? So let's start. Matthew 5 and 17, it's on the screen if you want to look at this scripture, says this is Jesus. It's in the red in the Bible says, if you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. Read the last part with me. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. I didn't come to, but he said, I came to fulfill it. Everything I read and hear about the Messiah and the coming of, of the Messiah, I know it's Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said, fulfilled. It's done. I'm here. I'll give you more than the pattern, but I'll show you the principle so that you can celebrate that. So let's look at these three feasts. First of all, in your notes there is the Passover. And the Passover is celebrating a freedom, freedom from death. Uh, freedom from death. The Passover is celebrating freedom from death. Say freedom from death. Or if you want to write it a different way in your notes, just say salvation. Salvation. How many of you have experienced salvation through Jesus Christ? Okay. So <clears throat> remember, um, the children of Israel are in Egypt. They've been there in bondage and slavery. They cried out to God. God didn't want them to be slaves. So 
uh, he sent his man, Charleston Heston, Charleston Heston, and he came and said, let, oh, his name is Moses, remember? He said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let them go. It's my workforce. They're building my pyramids. They're doing all these sort of things, and I'm not going to let them go. It's a cheap workforce. So they kept having plagues until the 10th plague. Remember the 10th plague? It was the death of the every firstborn, in, uh, every firstborn son in Egypt. So God says to his people Israel, I don't want you to experience this death. So here's what I want you to do. Take a lamb that will be sacrificed, slit his throat, take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to put it over the top of the doorpost. I want you to put it on the right of the doorpost, and I want you to put it on the left doorpost. See that picture in your mind? What do you see there? You, you, you see the cross, right? So when the death angel comes, if he comes over a home that doesn't have the blood covered over that, then he's going to stop and he's going to take the firstborn. But if he comes to a house and he sees the blood, what is he going to do? He's going to pass over. And therefore, it's a celebration of the Passover. It's a freedom from death. So after God released them and brought them into uh, the new land, they still celebrate it as they do today. But I want you to see it. And I want you to see how Jesus fulfilled this. First of all, the Passover, as it happened. At 9 a.m., a lamb was slaughtered. At 3 a.m., it was put in the oven because they would eat it later. And then the blood of that lamb was put over the doorpost, and it covered the sins of the people, and the death angel passed over. Now, let's see how Jesus fulfilled the Passover. At 9 a.m., exactly, he was crucified. The nails were put into him. He was put in the cross, on the cross at 9 a.m. At 3 p.m., Jesus was put in the grave because they had to get ready for the Sabbath that was the next day. And then Jesus' blood now doesn't just cover our sin, but Jesus' blood removes our sin forever. That's a great place to give him a hand clap and thank God. So that's the Passover. So Passover really is salvation for us. You say, well, what about this Passover lamb? Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Remember John the Baptist when he first saw Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God, which will be slain before the foundation of the earth. Jesus already knew he was going to be that lamb that was slain. The second celebration, the second feast, is the Feast of Pentecost. Say Pentecost. It's the celebrating of the giving of the law. It's the celebrating of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. The, uh, the word Pentecost comes from penta, which, you know, is a five-sided, right? We have a pentagon. And the, the word is Pentecosti. Costi means to the tenth power. So... Pentecosti means 50. Isn't that a scary thing? People are scared of Pentecost. It means 50. 50. It was simply 50 days. It was a feast. 50 days after the Passover. So when they would get together, it was celebrating to remembering how that God gave 
the law. Remember, they were slaves all of those years, and so God had to give them the law. He gave them Ten Commandments so they could know how to live on the planet Earth. So let's look at this. The giving of the law on Mount Sinai. How did it happen? Reread it this afternoon. The Bible's an interesting book to read. A cloud descended with a loud noise and fire, right? Moses is on top of the mountain, and God takes his finger, and he writes on a tablet of stone Ten Commandments, ten things that will help them to live. So he wrote it on a tablet of stone to give them how to live and accomplish their destiny. 3,000 people died on that day because they erected golden calves. They violated the first two commandments of God. And on that day, God established the nation of Israel. Now let's see how Jesus fulfills that. The Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, descended with a what? A loud noise, fire, and wind. And God wrote his law on our hearts, not on tablets of stone. You say, how did he do that? He gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. So I wake up this morning. I don't have to say, well, is it a sin for me to stop at Donut King? I didn't, okay? There's nothing wrong with Donut King, but I'm just saying, uh, let's, let's change it somewhere. Is it wrong for me to look at that pornographic site? Well, let me see. A, B, C, D, P, pornography. Thou shalt not cast thy eyes upon pornography. Okay, so I won't, 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 and then most times people do. But he says, no, this is going to be different. I'm going to write how to live on your heart so you'll know no that's not right no I, I i don't even know why but i know that's not a right thing to do and on the day of pentecost three thousand were saved look at chapter 2 verse 4 and on that day god established his church so really pentecost if you want to write this in your notes pentecost for us is the power to make a difference say power to make a difference Look at your neighbor and say, you need power to make a difference. And you need a Pentecost experience. Woo! That just simply means you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, right? Tabernacles. Now, tabernacles was uh, the, the feast that they celebrate is that they were celebrating the journey. Remember, as they, and this one has not been fulfilled for us yet. They were uh, leaving Egypt. And before they got to the promised land, wandering 40 years in the wilderness, they lived in tents and they lived in huts, temporary. And then God brought them to their final home, and it was celebrated during the harvest season. And it's also called the Feast of Trumpets. Now, this is yet to be fulfilled, because here are the reasons. We are living uh, and on a temporary earth, aliens and strangers, this is not our home. Uh, would, would you say that with me? This is not my home. I'm traveling through. Now, you need to remember that, that you are part of a kingdom that's not of this earth. Now, eventually, we're going to be brought to our home in heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, right? And there will be a great harvest of people. Listen, do you realize people say, well, yeah, you know, one of these days the Lord's coming back, but I, I know there's going to be a real harvest before he comes back. You know, we live in, and which I'm very thankful of, we live in America. But sometimes all we see around us is America. And we see the lethargic spirit 
of most people in the United States of America. But do you realize right now how fast the church is growing in China right now? Do you realize, as you said here, one of the fastest growing churches in the world, underground churches, is in Iran? Do you realize right now, while you're sitting here, there are hundreds and thousands of Muslims in the in Middle East that are having dreams and visions of a Christ who says, you need to ask about me, I can change your life. And we sit here twiddling our thumbs and saying, well, one of these days he's going to come back. But I'm going to tell you, with some of the recent changes in the Middle East, when Russia has more of a direct move to the south, we could be on the cusp of the end time quicker than we've ever thought of before. And I'll tell you, he is coming back, and there will be a trumpet that will sound. Here's what the Bible says. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns, we will not meet him ahead of those who died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Amen, amen, amen. And that's the completion of the Feast of Tabernacles. Listen, I'm praying desperately. I'm praying desperately for more of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life personally. And I hope you're praying that to do today also. There's things that that I need in my life. Uh, We need to lean into the Holy Spirit instead of running from the Holy Spirit. So, what does this mean? If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, what are... What kind of power can we expect that he's going to fill us with? Here, are they, here they are. First of all, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Uh, I'm, I'm changed from, I better be right or I'm going to go to hell. When the Holy Spirit comes into my life, it's not I've got to do right. It's not like I, I've got to. But it changes to, I get to. Because he changes. It's no longer, I have to have a discipline to please him. No, it's not a discipline. It becomes a delight. How how many of you ever met mean Christians? Yeah. I I have a philosophy of why some Christians are mean. They want to sin, and no, they can't. So they're just mean. They're just plain old mean. They hate everybody, everybody, you know, and they're just against everybody. But when, when the Holy Spirit comes into my life, he empowers me to do what I can't do on my own. See, some of you are still struggling right now with something you struggled with last year and the year before and the year before. And you've prayed, you've gone to counseling, you've gone to accountability. Could I, could I submit to you that one of the things that maybe that you could do in your life is ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit to empower you to live righteous. Let, let me show it to you in the Bible, okay? We're talking about what's normal here. All right, look in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by, say it with me, Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the, say it with me, the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Some of you just feel, you feel that spiritual death. You feel like, man, I just feel dead on the inside. I'm, I'm feeling all these struggles, and, and I, just, I just feel so, so dead. It's because where our thoughts are. Because my natural thoughts are going to lead me to a place of spiritual death. But my supernatural thoughts, because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, look at this. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are under the control of their own sinful nature can never please God. You can't please God on your own. That's why you need the Passover. That's why you need the blood of Jesus, right? Look at this next verse. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. He's simply saying this. What you should try is ask the Lord, fill me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And every morning you confess that scripture. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am led by the Spirit. I am led by the Spirit. I think what the Spirit wants me to think about today. I live the way the Spirit wants me to live today. You say, you think that makes a difference? I promise you it'll make a difference. Why not try it? You've been trying the other way long enough, walking in condemnation, walking in guilt, walking in shame. I can never do, I can never do, I can never do. I'm a failure, I'm that. Why not just simply say this? I'm going to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to take away my sins. And you know what? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit come in my life and empower me to live a right standing life before God. Wow. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. Read through the book of Acts. What did they do? They spoke in languages they never studied. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They cast out a whole herd of demons out of one crazy guy, and they ran into a herd of swine. You ought to read the Bible. It's really interesting. You ought to read what happens when the super of the Holy Spirit comes on the natural of your life. I wonder what God wants to do for us. He said, I am going to reveal myself with signs and wonders through the Holy Spirit. You say, what's a wonder? Well, when the Lord does something remarkable, and you scratch your head and say, I wonder how that happened. I want to see more wonders, don't you? I want to see more wonders in my own life. I'm not just talking to you. I'm pressing into this. I'm saying, Lord, I've studied this. I've, I've prayed this. I've, I've read, a, I've, I've probably got more books than anybody else on the Holy Spirit. But at the beginning of this thing, months ago, I said, Lord, I just want to submit a fresh page to you. Would you help me to understand? Would you give me more of a tolerance for people that may not see things the way that I do. Because you see, what you think might be normal might somebody else, they doesn't see that as normal. But could we get to a place that we see what's normal in the Bible? I want to live in the supernatural. You know, I mean, if we're, if we're interested in Thor and all the others, Paul said this, my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied, say it with me, on the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I'm not, I'm not wanting to use cute little stories about unscrewing a crazy light bulb. I'm not wanting to make you feel warm with just the, the lights and all of the stuff that we have here. But, but when I come up here on a Sunday, I'm saying, Lord, let me preach with a supernatural anointing and power of your Holy Spirit. This is more than this is more than just goofiness and buns and tambourines and snakes. It's about seeing people's lives changed. Here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when I'm teaching and, and, and I'm out standing out there and somebody will walk by and tears in their eyes and they'll say, Oh, man, what what you said set me free today. Man, I just I've been praying about that, and man, I just, I, I just heard you, and, and, and God spoke through you and spoke to me, and, and then they'll say, you remember when you said this, 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 and I'm thinking in my mind, I didn't say that. I wasn't anywhere in my notes, but I'd learned a long time ago. The Holy Spirit can work without my notes, that if we can create an atmosphere where he feels welcome. He can come and say something to you and something to you and something to you and something to you and to help you not to feel like it's weird, you'll hear it through my words. You'll have a supernatural hearing to hear what he has for you to say. The power of the supernatural. Not scary. How normal, how awesome would it be that we walk in this? The third thing, when I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, he gives me power to live on mission. The giving of the Holy Spirit is not for your personal entertainment. It's not to see how many people that you can slay in the Spirit. The important thing is not a thousand people slayed in the Spirit, but 3,000 people added to the church on that day. You see, Jesus said to his disciples, now, I don't want you to rush out into ministry just yet because I got everything riding on you. I'm going back to heaven. But I do believe greater things than what I've done you're going to accomplish. Whoa. But he said, now, don't get in yourself because to get in yourself, you're going to wear yourself out. You see, that's where some of you are right now. You, you're not living in the supernatural because you're wearing yourself out. You're so pushing and pushing and pushing. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. What if we just come back and we just say, here I am. You're sending the Holy Spirit, not that I can have an ego, or not that I can have a performance or a show, but because there's people in our community that are hopeless. People, marriages in our community that are on the rock, and you're wanting us to go on mission with the power of the Holy Spirit and to be able to speak into their lives. You say, well, how does that work? That works just simply like this. We start every day but just simply saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say today? Where do you want to lead me today, Holy Spirit? And when you walk into a store or whatever, you just say, Holy Spirit, I'm open, whatever you want, whatever you want. And so you walk by somebody, and, and you see them, and maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And it's like the Holy Spirit speaks to you and say, just speak a word of encouragement. Just tell them that God loves them. You say, oh, where'd that come from? Well, it didn't come from the devil. Right? And so you just say, you know, I'm sorry. You may think this is weird. That's okay. But I just had this overwhelming urge to tell you, God loves you. 
Or maybe you're walking out this door and you see one of our pastors or one of our leaders and the Holy Spirit says, speak a word of encouragement because they're tired. They've been dealing with you. No, not really. First service. And you say, I don't know what this means, but I just felt like I should tell you that you mean a lot to me. And I couldn't be who I am without you. And then you watch the tears of the others run. But that's not, that's not for ministry. That's for you and you and you. And we're going to talk about those gifts. But that's when we, when we began to realize we're on mission. The Holy Spirit is not about a show, but it's about a mission we're to accomplish. Pentecost, here's a fill in. Pentecost is about the empowering believers with a supernatural ability to fulfill an important mission. You say, okay, Terry, what do I need to do? Well, you need to take a next step. Here it is. Receive the Holy Spirit and don't push him off. Receive the Holy Spirit and don't push him off. Acts 2 and 38, Peter is standing and he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit for mission. He says, each of you repent of your sins and turn to God. So if you'd say, you know what, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to be, get above where I am right now. Then first of all, let me ask you, have you repented of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart? In just a moment, we're going to pray about that. But some of you already, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's already convicted you of things in your life that's wrong, and I haven't even said anything about it. And you're just saying, you know, I, I need to pray about that. Well, good, because the Holy Spirit's working in your life. He loves you that much. It says, repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's talking about water baptism for the forgiveness of the sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to all those who are far off. I mean, I think Leesburg is a far off from Jerusalem. How about you? For all those who are far off and those who have been called by the Lord our God. You're not here on accident. He called you today. He put that desire in you. Let's get up and go to church today. You thought you did, or you thought somebody bribed you and said, I'll, I'll take you to lunch if you come. No. It was, it was the Lord calling you today because he wants to change your life and fill you with his spirit. Let's pray. As you're sitting there, maybe just close your eyes as a point of just concentrating on your own life. If you'd say today, you know, Terry, I, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's in the constant uh, tense, which means continually being filled. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? My oil's running low. I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit to live righteously, to live in the supernatural, and to live on mission. Or maybe you say, you know what? I, I just want to learn more about the Holy Spirit. I've been afraid of the Holy Spirit because of so many packaging that's been wrong. But I really realize that's pretty normal in, in the Bible. Not the packaging, but the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today, before we pray for anyone else, I want to pray for you. And here's what I'd like you to do. If you simply say, you know, Terry, I believe there's more for me. And I want to be open to that. If that's you, and I'm going to raise my hand first. Would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I want more. 
I want more. I want more. I want to be open more to the Holy Spirit. Father, I come right now and I pray. We come from a lot of different backgrounds. We come from hurts and hang-ups. We come from abuses, misuse. We come from sometimes just simply ignorance. We don't know. But we're coming today at the Father's house to humble ourselves before you and raise our hands and say, fill me fresh. I want to know more. I want to walk more in this supernatural on mission for you. As you continue to pray that today, there may be some of you, you can put your hands down, there may be some of you who say, you know what, Terry? When you said a few minutes ago, I need to allow Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and to remove my sins. I knew that was me. And it was really weird because I felt like, like a magnet was drawing me to those words. And I feel like right now, I'm just, I'm just drawn to wanting to start afresh and surrender my life to Jesus. Scripture said that if I call upon the name of the Lord, I can be saved. I can experience Passover through Jesus. That my sins are not just pushed aside, but they're removed. I'm fresh. I'm new. Starting over. New me. I'm born again. A do-over. If that's you today and the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now, would you raise your hands and make eye contact with me and say, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you in the back. Thank you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you down here. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Maybe some of you that are watching online, I want to lead us in a prayer right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to draw me to you today. And I repent of my sins. I need your blood to cover my sins completely and to remove them so that I can serve you all the days of my life. I'll walk in obedience and be baptized in water and I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.